0: This morning, I want to direct our attention to John chapter 13. As we prepare for Curtis for the sermon, I want to read this passage to us. John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper...
1: Well, good morning, church family. I'm really glad to know you're watching. So, spending time with Jesus, that's what I want us to think about and what I want us to talk about. It seems like that should be really easy, spending time with Jesus. It seems like it should be, but it isn't always. Because we can know He's there and yet find our time with Him being crowded out with other priorities not to mention the circumstances that seem so immediately demanding, that we know we ought to spend time with Jesus, but our circumstances are so consuming we find it hard to. We wonder if spending much time with him is even realistic. But what if, can I ask you to think about this? What if you had a few hours of Jesus' time? I wonder what you would be interested in hearing from him. The passage that Chris just read actually tells us that the disciples understood something was happening. Things were changing. Jesus had spoken, and the times were very, very serious. Jesus was getting ready to die. And he was preparing his disciples for his death. Jesus would not be physically Present with them as he had been for the previous years. In the Father's perfect plan, Jesus would be transferred from life physically here with his disciples to being back with his Father. Would his disciples be ready? Would the disciples be ready to face a scary world without him? As I prayed earlier this week to try to think through, okay, Lord, what do you want to say to our church family and and any who watch? What do you want to say to us this week? And man, John 13 through 17 kept coming through my mind. Five chapters where there's an extended period of time where the disciples are spending time with Jesus. I thought this is what we need to focus on. Even as we head toward Easter, we need to focus on spending time with Jesus. In those five chapters of John 13 through 17, I'm guessing they are feeling some of what you felt in the last 10 days. I'm guessing they're feeling pressure inside that is mounting, and I don't know how that meets you. I don't know if it's a a racing mind, or I don't know if it's like your your gut tightens up, or I, I don't know if it's sweaty palms just because you don't know how to handle the internal pressures you're facing. The chaotic circumstances like you've never known before. I think this is some of what the disciples were processing. There are no magic formulas in those times. There's no cliches. There's no bumper stickers that are going to work. But but here, this spending time with Jesus is imperative. So what would Jesus do with that time? What could prepare his disciples? What would be the most significant thing that Jesus could start with In preparing his disciples for his death? Well, actually, I think the place he started with them is the place he'll start with us this morning, and that is Jesus started by reminding his disciples that he loved them. The way he started is reminding that he loved them, and what if that prepares us? That Jesus loves us. We know, we know that God loves the world. It says that in John 3, 16. John 3, 16, we know it, right? For God loved the world. But here, this passage, John 13, verse 1, says something in addition to God loving the world. It says He loves His own. We sang about that just a few minutes ago. He loves His own, and He loves them to the end. And by the way, even as He loves His own His own are in the world. And so, He is loving the world, but He's loving them through the people of Jesus who are His own, a group of people who are here for the sake of the world, for the sake of sharing the love of God with the world that He still loves. We are disciples. We are followers of Jesus for the world to show God does love the world so much that He gave His one and only Son. The world, the Word is… Going to be used again and again, love, 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 in these chapters. And you can please forgive me today, all right, if my points and my outline aren't super neat and clean, and I may or may not have made up some hyphenated words. And so please forgive that, but I just want you to deeply appreciate the love of God for you this morning. I want you to appreciate that God loves us, that Jesus in particular loves us with an in control love, a love that is very much in control. So, when people are in control, they use their power in very interesting ways. Let someone be in charge, and things can get interesting pretty quickly. Something remarkable happens here, though. Jesus is totally in control, filled with all majesty, It says in this passage that he knew some things, knew some things that you and I would not be capable of knowing things in the way that Jesus knew things. He's in control. He knew that his hour had come. And the way the word hour is used, it isn't just an hour, but really a weekend, a weekend that's going to include his arrest and his betrayal and his crucifixion and his resurrection. And Jesus knew in the past he had come from God. He knew where he came from, It says that in verse 3, and he knew that the Father had given everything into his hands. He is in charge. He is in control in this moment. Everything that is needed, everything that is critical, everything that is definitive, he has all that power in the present in his hands. How different he is from us. I don't feel in control. I certainly have not felt in control in the last several days. That's the last thing i felt. But Jesus, as we enter into John 13, is in control. He even knew He would transfer back to the Father's presence. This is in-control love. This is love that is thoughtful. This is love that is prepared. This is love that is intentional. Love in Ephesians even is connected to predestination before the foundations of the world. God set His love on us. So Jesus is in charge here. And John makes sure we know when Jesus is in charge, that means love is going to be shown to those that He loves. Not only is this love an in-control love, but it's also to-the-finish kind of love. It's a love that goes all the way to the finish, all the way to the end. That's what verse 1 says, having loved His own who were in the world, He loved them to the end. And if you study the original languages there, the word end has a couple different connotations, and I'm guessing it even shows up in your translations. So sometimes the end means he loved them to the full extent. He loved them to completion. He loved them perfectly. And we could say, yes, 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 all those things he loved. He loves us in those ways. There's not an area where his love would be incomplete or not quite perfect. It is perfect for us. But I think there's another connotation. He loves his own all the way to the end, to the finish line. It's reaching the finish. It's that love of a couple that have been true to their vows all the way to the very end of their lives. It's the love of a parent that says, I will love you, period it's not going to stop. I think it's interesting that idea of the end or the finish is used again by Jesus. In this book of John, Jesus, when he's hanging on the cross, and in that moment, he says, it is finished. And even at the end, he loves us. All the way there, the love that doesn't quit, not then, not now, not ever. I want you to see something else. It's not only a to the finish kind of love, but it's an almost surreal love. And again, I, I don't know exactly how to put into words what I'm, I'm feeling, but it's an almost surreal love. And I think the word surreal came to mind because I've used it more, I feel like, in the last week than I've used it before. Because it's marked by just circumstances that seem like this, this. can't be happening. As a matter of fact, as I looked up the what does surreal mean, it's it's intense irrationality. And and I felt that. Haven't you felt that? It's like this. This doesn't happen, but it's happening. This can't be real, but it's real. And that, in some ways, I just want, can. Can we linger here for a second and recognize? And in some ways, this love that is coming toward us from Jesus. We could almost view it as like, this can't be real, but it is real. God's love pressed down into our hearts. Jesus loves you. Jesus did what it takes to demonstrate that love to you. Almost surreal. The scope of this passage makes you realize there are just these contrasts, there are these opposites in time or space. Again, it doesn't even seem real. The Bible… but the Bible isn't dealing in hypotheticals or intellectual models that we might set up. That's not the story that it comes to tell us. It's a real story. It's surreal, though, that, that Jesus came from heaven to earth. People go lots of places. People travel long distances because of love. And this love extends to an entirely other realm. From heaven, now it reaches to us here on this earth… Those heaven and earth almost seem incompatible, but not with the love of Jesus. It bridges that gap. It's surreal to think that Jesus goes from living in eternity to the words here are, he knew that his hour, he knew that the weekend had come. Eternity to a few days. And in the midst of that, don't forget he loves. Time looks so differently for us these days. But what would it mean to be the Son of God for eternity and then enter into a moment of time with humans? It's exactly where Jesus goes. This was for love, love displayed on a cross for sinners because this hour that He knew was coming was unlike any that anybody had ever faced. This love is from deity, from God, being fully God to the full experience of being human, fully human, Love means that people will make sacrifices. Love changes business as usual. And love goes this far. Think about it. Love goes from being fully God to doing this kind of work. Who does this kind of work of washing people's feet? God does that. God the Son does that. Jesus Christ. He goes all the way, all the way to the feet. It's almost surreal that from being sovereignly in charge of everything. Everything in his hands that this passage says, you know what's in his hands? It's a towel. And he's using it to clean feet. So he is Lord. He is in charge. And he is living out being Lord by serving you. By serving me. That is almost surreal. And still today, he comes to serve. Still today, he takes the tears that you cry and he takes the pain that you feel and he shows up in your weakest moments. Still today, he meets you giving you an unexplainable peace. It's almost surreal, still today, He takes time to listen to you. Still today, he says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you shall find. How in the world did he end up being the servant? It's almost surreal. And you may be even saying, as I think about how much Jesus would love his own own followers, Maybe you're saying Curtis this is almost surreal. You don't know how much I needed to hear right now that Jesus loves me. I need to be reminded of what I learned as a child that Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. And you're right. I I didn't know that's what you needed to hear specifically. I I couldn't know everything. But God does. And maybe even in these moments where you're watching this on a screen, God is reminding you through these words today that He cares for you. He always has. He always will. We just need this to soak in this almost surreal love. Make no mistake, though, it is a real world kind of love. It is a real world love. And I'm cautious here because in John 13 you're holding some things in your mind. You're holding like things that fill pages of textbooks and you're holding these things in your mind. But then you read in John 13 of verse 4 that Jesus rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments. He took a towel. This is real world. This is happening. He tied it around his waist. He poured water into a basin. He began to wash the disciples' feet to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Love is in action. It's not a theory. It's not a complicated spreadsheet formula. There are subjects in this world that can be studied and nuanced and outlined and defined. And those subjects matter a lot. Don't get me wrong. But this story presses into other realms. It presses into other realms. This is different than just something that we're going to evaluate intellectually. This is real world. Something is happening. Love is getting very real. We know what love looks like when it gets real. We know talk is cheap, but we know what it looks like when love gets real. I wrote down several things. You know love is real when diapers are changed in the middle of the night. You know love is real when you are in waiting rooms feeling anxious because someone is suffering that you love. You know love is real when there are parents that are on sidelines cheering on their kids. You know love is real when there's changes of plans to just have a cup of coffee or have a conversation because you really want to show up and you really want to care. You know love is real when someone says, let me take the kids. I'll take them for a bit. You know love is real when someone brings a foster kid into, into their family. You know love is real when you're learning a new cultural greeting only because you want to serve, only because you want to care. You know love is real when you ask someone you come along. I don't want you to be alone. You know love is real when you give affirmation, not out of flattery, but because you want that person to know they matter. You know love is real when you process someone's anxieties with them, mostly listening, but reminding them, you're you're going to be okay, and I'm not going to leave. You know love is real when you mow someone's lawn. You, You know love is real when there are months and maybe even years of patience with someone who has Alzheimer's or some mental illness. You know love is real when someone grabs you by the hand and walks through addiction or some other form of suffering with you. You know love is real when there's a house key that says, you're welcome here, I love you. You know love is real when there's a meal that is delivered. You know love is real when someone calls state officials to care for their aging parents and deals with government bureaucracy and nothing would make them do that, but they love someone. You know love is real when there are groceries on doorsteps, and I don't know, but I'm guessing even this past week, love showed up in real-world situations. And I just want you to know, if we can know what it means to love someone, then I want you to read this story through that lens. And know Jesus didn't have a theoretical love for you, didn't have a theoretical love for his disciples, but he loved his own and picked up a towel to show it to them. It's disrobing for Jesus. It's picking up a towel. It's showing up with His love and His disciples. They knew it. They knew it. And can I ask you, could I ask you to do an exercise? Could I ask you to do this? I think this story needs to enter our world, and maybe we just think about this sentence, okay? We think about this sentence. I know I am loved by Jesus, especially when, and then you fill in the blank. I know I am loved by Jesus, especially when, and maybe you start writing out a list, especially when this happens, especially when this happens. And I have to say, if it's hard for you to even answer that question, if you find yourself unsure as you watch, maybe you have a friend you could text and say, can we talk? Because I'm struggling with knowing Jesus loves me maybe you could even email one of the pastors let's work on this together it struck me that even as all this talk about love is going on there is a dark cloud hanging over this chapter what we know is we aren't in some bright animation studios of a a PBS or Disney preschool show where everything's not too intense and it'll be solved in about 25 minutes. John 13 isn't that. John 13 is woven with this story of Judas who will betray, who will actually sell out Jesus, even as Jesus is showing love. This goes from this grand picture of, oh man, God loves us from eternity past to the mess of a real world. And this is helpful because, if anything, we feel like we're in a mess. But this love isn't theoretical. It shows up in a mess of a world. This love is real world love. And even as that love is shown, as a real human being receives it, something happens. And I do want you to notice what happens. Look in verse 5. It says, Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? I want you to see this is also a disorienting love. Frankly, it's a love we don't know what to do with. Peter didn't. I'm guessing there are times where we don't either. Don't get me wrong, we're desperate for it. We want to be loved in this way, certainly by God, by Jesus Christ, we want to be loved in this way. But something is so unsettling about being loved this much, and in this way we have a hard time grasping. And Peter's first reaction is our first reaction often, and that's like, what? What? Lord, are you going to wash my feet? We have to be careful here because we have to realize maybe we're trained to read this and go, oh, what what Jesus is teaching Peter is that servant leadership is what matters. And we could easily go to that. And and, and I do know what Jesus is going to tell us is that we should practice servant leadership. And I I understand that. But let's not go there too quickly. Uh, In so many ways, Peter actually gets something that maybe we should be getting. And that is this is outrageous. Peter says something like, someone's got to say something here. Someone's got to stop this. This isn't, this isn't the way this goes. It's disorienting for Peter. It's like, this shouldn't go down like this. Someone should say something. So Jesus does say something, doesn't he? He says to Peter, look at verse 7. Jesus answered him, what I'm doing, you're not going to understand now. But afterward, you will understand. You can't process it all now, Peter but one day you will. One day you're going to understand this. It's almost like, I'm sure what all our parents said at one point in time, like, you don't even understand, you don't begin to understand how much I love you. But then there comes a day down the road where some of that begins to set in. and You start thinking of the dollars and the cents and the hours and the hard choices and the consequences. And the things your parents lived without so that you would have. And it dawns on you like, I couldn't have understood that before. I think that's what Jesus is saying. One day you will understand it. Actually, the disorientation continues, right? So Jesus says, you're not going to understand it. In verse 8, Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I don't wash you, you don't have any share, no part with me. If our first reaction is, what? Our second reaction is often, never. Never. Not in a million years. Jesus' love is so disorienting that we're even going to tell Jesus what he's never going to do. There's something that triggers inside when when we are loved this way that actually works on our pride. We think we never should have done something so bad that we would have to humiliate such a loving person. Think about this. I I think we have to process this. So Peter, his reflex here is an understandable reflex. Like, "Eh, this shouldn't work that way. I have great respect for you, Jesus, so you shouldn't have to humble. Like, no, no, this isn't the way it should have to work. His sense of righteousness, like, I I shouldn't have to be loved this way. It's all flipped. He's very disoriented. And it, could, it, could it be that Peter says, I don't want this grace to be shown? And he's willing to say, no thanks to grace, to love, because of like, this is the way I see myself and this is the way I see you and this is the way the role should take shape. But Jesus is offering A share with him. But it's only, hear this, it's only going to be, it's only going to come to us through being loved over the top. If you think volunteer hours for Jesus is going to mean he loves you, it's not coming that way. If you think service points are going to be accrued, it's not coming that way. Love disorients us. We don't know if it's too good to be true. Maybe you've had a relationship like that in your life where you thought, I can't believe a friend would love me that much. It just almost seems too good to be true. And I wonder if Peter is processing some of those things. But I just want you to hear this. Even as it disorients you, Jesus loves you. I'm going to recognize we hear the word forgiven it's all let go, and we think, I'm not sure it can be. I'm not sure it can be let go. Not what I've done. We hear the word justified, and we think, I don't know. I, I wonder if charges could be brought up later. We hear the word pardoned, and we think, mm, maybe parole. I'm not sure about pardoned. We hear the word clean, and we think, I, I still feel a little dirty and I think I'm going to feel that for the foreseeable future. We hear the word peace and we sense, I, I don't know. I think I, I should have an unease about the past, the present, the future. We hear Jesus say the word finished and we are almost are tempted to say, Ah. I think I'll just keep trying. Love like this disorients us. We don't get it. It's love so amazing, so divine. How can it be? Maybe the conscience fires and you say, Well, my conscience tells me you can't be loved that way. It's too good to be true. My memory tells me I haven't done enough. I'm not that clean. I don't behave well enough. I'm not loving enough to be loved in this way. I need to do something. And one of those places here of taking your conscience, you're going to have to take your conscience and take it to the Lord. You're going to have to submit even your conscience if it's saying, this is not, I don't know, something doesn't sound right. You're going to have to take that and submit that to the Lord. And through repentance, you're going to have to name, this is who I am, this is who I was. And through depending and having faith and relying on Jesus and counting on Him, this love could become more real to you than maybe it's ever been. First, Peter tells the Lord what not to do, and then he tells the Lord what to do. Notice that in verse 9. Simon Peter said to Jesus, Lord, well, if… You say that, it's just not, well, not my feet only, but why don't you do this? Also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed, the one who is bathed doesn't need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. I think what Jesus is telling Peter is that there will never be a time where you will not be in need of being served by Jesus. That's going to be forever. You're always going to be needing the service of Jesus But, but he's also pointing Peter to the fact that the Lord is going to show his love by serving us. And once you've been made clean by Jesus, once you are his own, then you are completely clean. All throughout the Bible, this idea of cleansing, water that will cleanse us, this symbolic use of it, here it shows up again. You're completely clean his death on the cross, his shed blood, means we are completely clean. That's why I want you to know that this also is an inviting love. It's not just a disorienting love. It's an inviting love. It's inviting because Jesus knows it all and washes feet and offers to us that we can be his and be completely clean. He invites you, and I don't, frankly, I don't even know who I'm talking to today, but I do know Jesus, and I can't extend His invitation to you and say He invites you to experience His love. As things have gotten stripped away, as we have had to see intensely like who we are and what really mattered to us and what was important to us, I can tell you this, Jesus knew who you were already. He's always known who you were, and He went to the cross for you. Will you let Jesus cleanse you? Will you trust Him in that way to be served by His love? This is the good news. This is what I've always wanted all of Newark, all of Delaware to know. It's that this love is an invitation to us. This is always what I've wanted our church to, kind of the waters I've wanted us to swim in, is that we have love that is amazing, and it's an inviting love. It, It reaches out and says, you can be loved like this. Love that's in control. Yes, love that's to the finish. Yes, love that's almost surreal, and love that happens in the real world is the love that you are invited to know. You're invited to experience, not just today as you're watching, but in Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, Friday and Saturday and going forward. Love that invites even as it disorients. I wouldn't be a good pastor if I didn't remind you that there are are real consequences to hearing this invitation and telling Jesus, no thanks. And the real consequences kind of loom in verse 10. Jesus says, you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew there was one who would betray him, and that's why he said, you're not all clean. Not every one of you. It's not enough just to be around Jesus and around Jesus' talk. It's not enough. You have to bow your heart and your will and your life to Jesus to to be loved by him. Don't get me wrong, the disciples' lives, they were far from perfect. They would fail. They would have their world turned upside down, but Jesus Jesus loved them to the end, and that changed everything. I believe that right now, this morning, you can know that love. And I've asked God to take that love and press that into your heart, that you might know that love of Jesus. In a way you've never experienced before. We take a moment. I want to pray for you. In just a moment, we'll sing, sing a a prayer to the Lord, knowing He's the only one that can keep us from falling. Let me pray. Lord, these words, you know what needs to be heard, what needs to be understood what needs to be meditated on. So there are many of us that are unsteady right now. And we need to find our footing in your love, that it will not give up, that it will meet us in a real world, a real world that's really, really messy. And I pray that the person that needs to reach out, that they would do that. Lord, we know we need to show this love to others, but for this morning, even before we think about how we ought to show this love to others, I pray we would recognize you love your own to the very end. Remind us of that love, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.